Hello and welcome to Genetically Podified, the podcast that chokeslams fake news, drop kicks bullshit, and then goes for a smooch with the truth. <laughs> Hello, James. Hey, how's it going, Roberta? Not bad, not bad, thank you. Just got back from a short trip to Amsterdam. I went to visit a friend who had a baby some time ago. We tried to get together once a year. It was quite nice. It was very nice. Very nice weekend. Beautiful. Was the weather as yeah. nice over there as it was over here? It was so nice. It was so, 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 so nice. And the first day was literally unbearable. And then it got a little <laughs> bit fresher and windy. So it was quite all right. It was fine. Good. Yeah. Good. And she lives in the countryside. So it was breezy and green. and Gorgeous. Only downside, my flight was delayed three and a half hours. Ooh. So... <laughs> Grim. I left Amsterdam Airport at one thirty in the morning, and I basically got to Sheffield uh, at seven thirty in the morning Ugh. because there's no trains overnight. Gross. So I basically oh, yeah. spent my first night in the airport ever. <laughs> uh, horrible. Well, have to do it once than you. You know, it's yeah. one of those things. If it's never happened, it's gonna happen at some point. Next time, train to London and then get the Eurostar because that's going to Amsterdam now, isn't it? Yes, yes, that's what I wanted to do. But it turns out it's way more expensive to do that. Is it? Uh, yeah, because trains are more expensive. Yeah. Right. So that was the first thing I was thinking because I thought, okay, sustainability, you know, Grantham Center for Sustainable Future, <laughs> give a good example, you know, be sustainable. But basically, I thought, okay, it's a train, like I can wait later to book it mm. but it's basically as if it was a flight so you have to also book it way in advance so that it's cheaper and more affordable because yeah, if you okay. wait too long so basically by the time i decided to book it it was more expensive than the flight and also i would have had to pay the train to go to london as well so it was yeah. like all adding up yeah so in the end i just i just flew but yeah definitely also considering that this company sucks because they were delayed on the way there and on the way back yeah. as well <laughs> so maybe yeah. maybe it's not a good idea but yeah how was your week how are you james i'm good i have handed in my thesis Woo! Whoop whoop! Yay! Almost, Party time! Yeah. One whoop, more stage, and then yeah. you can call me Doctor James Thackeray, and I will ins- insist upon <laughs> it. I will insist. <laughs> so yeah, that was exciting. Just to, I mean, it's been finished for ages, but it's nice to have it off my back, as it were, and focus on trying to get someone to employ me now. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I need a job. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also, yeah. for everybody out there, James needs a job. If you know somebody who wants somebody who needs a job, yeah. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> That's been good. It's been nice and relaxing. Okay, let's get going. Before we begin, the views expressed here are our own. Nobody else's. Okay. But we're here today to talk about, as promised, some more lawsuits. Mm-hmm. So uh, either last week or mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. We mentioned that Monsanto has sued some farmers and described a couple of those cases. And then we promised you that we would have a deeper look into it to see if there's been any sort of Monsanto shenanigans that people can get pissed off about. And that's what this episode is. Roberta is going to be leading us through this. So take it away. Thank you, James. Thanks very much. So last time we spoke about this was because we were talking about patents. Mm. And we have to say that patenting is one of the main reasons why Monsanto has lawsuits with farmers. Mm. To my knowledge, is almost the only reason, almost the only reason yeah. why Monsanto has uh, lawsuits with farmers. 
there is some stuff out there in the world about Monsanto lawsuits. Some of it is myth and some of it is true. And we're here to discriminate which is which. Nice. <laughs> Yay. Exciting when we can, you know, bust myths. <laughs> Quite cool. Get, get really, really hyped about it. So basically, again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't read lowish very well. <laughs> so I've tried to introduce the topic from the lay sides. Let's mm. put it that way. So if you go online and you Google Monsanto lawsuits, you will find two very different very opposite situations. <laughs> One is being filmed, it's on camera, and it's the very emotional testimony of farmers. And it's probably being documented, it's probably in some documentaries called... I don't know, GMOMG or uh, Food Inc. There's one was, it was called Seeding Fear. Mm. Uh, they're like some very, very strongly anti-GMO documentaries where they interview farmers and they tell their version of the story. Mm. And then there is the Monsanto website where they list all the lawsuits that they've had and they give a different story. Mm. Now, I don't think that it is a matter of who do I want to trust and who do I believe? Mm -hmm. Because let me talk you through the process of how Monsanto goes about law infringement and patent infringement. And then we'll go into seeing how the two different sides, no matter what the two different sides portray it, it's still a patent infringement. Yeah. So... Basically, the way that Monsanto goes about this, they say that most of the time they get tips from someone saying, oh, you know, that farmer is actually saving seeds. Mm. So as we've mentioned before, saving seeds, if the seed is a patented seed, is not allowed. Yeah. So for a while now, a lot of biotech companies have patented their seeds to, again, invest in uh, research and development. I was reading about this and somebody compared it to what happens with the pharmaceutical industry and with some other big industries. So you use a patent so that then you can invest into other stuff. And James explained this really, really well last time we spoke about this. So they get a tip from somebody and then what they do is they start an investigation. So Monsanto has private investigators that will look into the matter and then if there is reason to believe that the tip was right, they will sue, basically. And they will ask the farmer for explanations, they will ask for samples to be analysed of the seeds that they have saved, and so on and on and on. So this mm -hmm. is how it goes. So we know that if you have a patented seed and you're saving the seed, that is not allowed. Monsanto will not allow that. And we know that because that is the law. That's how the law works. So <laughs> there's no, I'm really mad because I want to save the seed and you're not allowing me to. And I can cry as much as I want. That is the law. We can debate whether or not the law is right. And we've discussed this before. We've said... What do we think about patents? From an ethical point of view, is it correct to not allow people to save seeds? We can have a, a whole, you know, ethical discussion about it. Mm. But the law is the law. So if the law says that you can't save them, you can't save them, full stop. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So basically, most of Monsanto lawsuits end up with a settlement, <laughs> according to my sources. <laughs> so, for example, okay, I'll give you some names, because you might have heard of these people before. So the seven farmers or entities that were sued by Monsanto are Pilot Grove Co-op, Maurice Parr, also known as Mopar, Percy Schmeiser, Gary Reinhardt, I'm struggling with these names, you guys, <laughs> Troy Roosh, Dave Ran Runyon, Runyon, I think, and Michael wow, White. What a great name, <laughs> Dave Runyon. <laughs> yeah, it's like onion, but with an R. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, what, is there any other meaning that I'm not aware of? Runyon? No, no, no. I just like the name. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was some pun intended and I didn't understand it. And then we've got Michael White. So these are the ones that are specified by Monsanto. So some of these, for example, I think Mopar was one of them, were accused of saving seeds. Now, okay, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a farmer. If I am a farmer and Monsanto accuses me of saving Monsanto seeds, cleaning Monsanto seeds uh, for other people, for example, for third parties, the way I can prove it is if I give them a sample of my seeds and they analyze it, and if there's GM in there, then it's a patented problem. I mean, GMO seeds have a unique identifier. They can be uniquely identified and distinguished from each other. Because in countries where GMOs are not allowed, like the EU, we need to be able to distinguish which kind of GM it is. So every single GM event, they call it event with a, I'm doing quotes in the air right now. <laughs> uh, every GM event has an individual particular identifier. So I am able to say, oh, this is a Roundup Ready soybean, this is Mon A10 and stuff like that. Basically, if I was a farmer and they were accusing me of saving GM seeds, I would give them a sample of my seeds so that they can prove that that's not true. And if that's not true, the case is closed, everybody's happy, everybody goes home and has dinner, you know? But most of these things have been dragging on and on because one wouldn't admit to being guilty. I mean, if you are not guilty, there is no settlement to be had. Yeah. If you aren't guilty, the case gets closed. And that's what happened for, I think, a couple of them. There was no proof, and so the case was closed. But for the yeah. ones that there was reasonable doubt and they were not cooperative, Monsanto mm. had to go and investigate further because if you're not cooperative, maybe you have something to hide. Yeah, so I read somewhere that yeah. Monsanto has actually started around 100 lawsuits. Yeah, I think 140, something like that. 140, okay. Mm -hmm. And then only seven of them have actually been taken forward to yeah. settlement. Yeah. So I'm presuming what happened was, yeah, they got a tip that GM was been growing on those 133 other fields. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then they did these tests and they were like, actually, there isn't any or it's only a very trace amount. So it was accidental or whatever. Yeah. And then they just dropped them. So they are good in that sense. Yeah. And they also say on their website, there's 147 times that they filed suits against farmers. And that looks like a lot, but if you think about the fact that they sell seed to more than 325,000 American farmers a year, it is not that big of a mm. number if you think about it. Yeah. And I mean, if I wanted to be, let's say I'm a very not fun neighbor, I'm a very, you know, <laughs> I'm not a nice neighbor, uh, and I really, really hate my other neighbor, I can basically <laughs> give them a tip and get Monsanto over there, you know, I mean... There's, yeah, yeah. there's many ways that this can happen and these tips can be rumors or they can be like accidentally spreading for no reason whatsoever. But if there is reasonable doubt and, and if they have private investigators mm. looking into it, like this idea that spreads around is that Monsanto mm. is quintessentially evil. They want to harm farmers. They don't care yeah. about farmers, but farmers are their clients. They buy the seeds. Yeah. So why yeah. would they want to have this really bad reputation? So going back to the process, so we've mentioned seed saving. So basically what you do is you save seeds for the next year. But if you do save seeds for the next year, what sometimes has to happen, most of the time has to happen, uh, you have to clean those seeds, clean them from uh, dry grass or other mm. pest seeds and stuff like that. So there is a business around the US, but also like in other countries, in Italy, wherever you are, it's a business called seed cleaning. 
And there are some people mm. who come to you, they'll clean the seed for you so that you are able to plant it. So another couple of these lawsuits involve people in the business of seed cleaning. And one of them is Michael White. Mm -hmm. And he gave a very emotional testimony on a documentary called Seeding Fear. Mm. Michael White was illegally growing, selling and cleaning Roundup Ready soybeans. So not only cleaning, also growing it and selling it. Right, okay. Because the thing is, if you clean the seeds and they are certified GMO seeds, of course, you can't sell it to third parties afterwards. Because according to the patent, that profit belongs to the company who made the seed. Yeah. So you can't like become a, a dealer of, <laughs> of, yeah, uh, yeah. of GMO seeds. So yeah, this guy also settled. The case was settled in 2006. And see, this is the other thing about Monsanto that is interesting. They say that the proceeds we received from Mr. White were donated to youth leadership initiatives and to support the local communities in which farmers live and work. So, oh, damn, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even uh, this is not the only case. There is another case, the first that I mentioned, called the Pilot Grove mm. Co-op. But basically what happened with that one was the same. So this co-op was basically encouraging farmers to save GMO seeds. This was also October right, 2006. Okay. And the proceedings were given to, oh, let me tell you, because this was really cool. Yet the income from that account will fund scholarships for the Cooper County, Missouri FFA and 4-H programs. So it basically, Monsanto doesn't cool. even take the money of the proceedings for themselves, but it gives it back to the community. Because, I mean, Monsanto has a yeah. shitload of money, yeah. so they don't actually need extra money. So what they do yeah. with the money that they got from the lawsuits is they reinvest in uh, teaching programs. And also something that was interesting to me was uh, the Pilot Grove Co-op will also develop and adopt a stewardship policy to avoid future patent infringements and will work with a third-party organization to provide training for employees. So basically... You've mm. done me wrong. How do I make sure that you don't do me wrong in the future? Let's install like a training program. So yeah. one thing that I can understand to a certain extent is if you accidentally or you don't know, because I mean, yeah, yeah. it can happen once in a million that you don't actually know what are the terms of the contract. You know, the fine print is quite annoying to read. I mean, I just signed a contract mm. for my rent and I've only read half of it because I got bored halfway through. Yeah. I mean, that, that, kind of stuff, <laughs> that kind of stuff happened. It happens all the time. So you might have accidentally not known about this. And if you didn't know, mm. it's still written in the contract. So it is basically law. I feel sorry for you because you didn't realize, but you still have to pay. So that is a situation that can happen. But if you are aware... And if you're willingly doing that, and you, you are absolutely aware of what you're doing, then that's even worse, you know. Mm. But I like the idea of making sure that everybody knows so that this doesn't happen in the future, whether you're willingly doing it or accidentally doing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder in terms of like the proceeds going to these charitable mm -hmm. cases, mm -hmm. I think people who are anti-Monsanto and anti-these big agri-groups, mm -hmm will probably say that, you know, they're just trying to win the people over, even though yeah, they've done a yeah. bad thing by suing these farmers. They're just trying to look good in a situation where they've done wrong. And I get that point of view. I guess you could take it as it's just like a publicity stunt, but it's a publicity stunt that they don't have to do. They could just take the money. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. But they have chosen this. And whether it's a publicity stunt or not, they did a good thing with that money yeah. rather than just keeping it and getting a bonus for whoever won the lawsuit or something. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, these big corporations, like Monsanto has a really, really bad reputation. You know, there's a lot of these in food as well, like, or in generally, like, big companies that own basically half of the world market on, uh, I don't know, house products mm. like Unilever, for example. Unilever does a lot of really good things and they're starting now to get involved with sustainability and try to make less Mm. of an impact. Unilever still sells water in plastic bottles, which I think is the most Mm. ridiculous thing because tap water is absolutely fine. (laughs) Of course, they have a profit interest, but they still try to do good in other things. So try to find a balance between accusing them of all sorts of evil and accepting that they're, yeah. you know, they're actually trying to make an effort, <laughs> even though it's, yeah, again, as yeah. you said, even though if it's just for making them look good. Yeah, it's difficult because uh, it's one of those things where like um, <laughs> Elon Musk recently huh? got accused of doing a publicity stunt when he offered to try and find a solution to help those kids in, uh, was it Taiwan or something? Uh, Thailand, underground. maybe? Thailand? Thailand. Yeah, in, yeah. The, kids in, in the cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Underground. Yeah, and I think someone approached him and said, listen, you're a charitable guy, you do all this cool stuff and people ask you, can you help? And he was like, yeah, I can try and help. Mm -hmm. And then someone accused him of doing it for a publicity stunt. It's just like, what? I mean... He's trying to be nice. He's trying to be a good person. (laughs) And I think if you're against corporations in general, you're always going to take that stance. Yeah. But actually corporations have a really good opportunity yeah they have the resources finances and a lot of resources to start solving some of these problems they can't just be doing it for publicity maybe some corporations and some people just want to help as well yeah i absolutely agree with that and you know sometimes even if they don't have the intentions to do so sometimes it's just a matter of communication if you make them aware of a problem they'll say well we do have the money to do this is it slightly related to what we do yes it is why don't we do it you know it's really easy to get because they are seeking that approval from from people because people hate them so much <laughs> sometimes it's quite easy yeah. to get funding maybe or stuff like that anyways back to our lawsuit lists i uh, have got like a checklist so we've spoken about safe seating check we've spoken about seat cleaning check and now uh, i wanted to talk to you about canola so this guy and mm. i think you've mentioned this guy before I think he's the Goliath. Yeah, we mentioned him briefly in the patent. Yeah. I think. So basically, this guy was accused of planting Roundup Ready canola. But he stated that the plants got into his field by accident. But then Mm. he was seen spraying Roundup on his field and then saving the (laughs) seeds of whatever was left in his field, which means if you plant a Roundup Ready canola and you have non-Roundup Ready canola in there... If you spray Roundup, the non-GM canola will die. And all that is left is the resistant canola, which is definitely GM yeah. canola. So there was a, a little yeah. bit of a, <laughs> of a funny story there <laughs> where he was like, no, yeah. I, I didn't. Hey, maybe he was sleepwalking. You never know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, so there was a lawsuit against this guy as well. His name is Percy Schmeiser. I hope I'm reading that mm. correctly. Um, yeah, that sounds right, yeah. This is a good example, I think, because there is this idea that Monsanto will sue you if you have accidental quantities of GM in your field. Now, they state yeah. this at the beginning of the page, and at the end of the page, they have never done this. Because, I mean, yeah. pollination is a bitch, <laughs> especially yeah. wind pollination. So, 
if the wind blows in the wrong direction, cross-pollination can happen and you can find traces of GM in your field. But one thing is traces and one thing is more than half of your field. More than half of your yeah, field yeah. cannot be accidental. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think we said it in the Peyton episode. It, the threshold uh-huh. is something like 1%. Ah, oh, okay. Which apparently is a really arbitrary number just kind yeah, of picked out of thin air. But I think they've kept it so low so that a farmer can't profit by just having yeah. 5% of their field GM intentionally yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then claiming it was accidental even though it's just in a very specific corner or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's their threshold. And I assume that in those 140 cases, most of which weren't taken forward, I assume that many of those, when tested, were below that threshold. Yeah, yeah it could be that. Or it could be that, again, you had a, just a nasty neighbour. They wanted to be, they wanted yeah, to be yeah. nasty yeah. to you, you know. Uh, your son is trying to flirt with your neighbour's daughter and your <laughs> neighbour does not like that. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there's no point going into all the extreme details of every lawsuit because they're all very similar and they all either mm. ended up in settlement or the case was closed. The only one that is quite interesting to me was one where the terms of the settlement were private. So Monsanto says that they basically signed a non-disclosure agreement on both sides saying that they will not talk about the terms of the settlement. Mm. So there is a certain amount of information that we have, which is this guy made an infringement. It was proved that he was saving seeds or whatever it was. So he was guilty, but then they would not make the terms of the settlement public. Okay. Do you know if the non-disclosure was on behalf of Monsanto or the... Both parties agreed that they would not disclose the terms. Okay, so it was a mutual agreement that they would not disclose the settlement uh, that they got. Well, all that means is that they both agreed to it, I think, rather than it being both of them wanted to not talk about it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. let's say Monsanto wanted to not talk about it, they could force that in the settlement agreement anyway, yeah, or be yeah. like, we'll cut off $10,000 off your settlement if you agree to this non-disclosure so but or it could have been the other way around where the defendant wanted a bit of privacy and monsanto agreed so we can't tell from that which i guess is part of the point of a non-disclosure agreement yeah exactly But, I yeah, I don't know anything about the law. So. Uh, again, <laughs> I have guessing, no right? idea. I have no idea. I've only heard of non-disclosure agreements in the movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you end up watching any of the, like, the heartthrob scene? Not heartthrob, heart-rending yes. scenes. Yes. I was wondering what their moral arguments were. Like, wh- why were they having the high ground and Monsanto were being evil? Even though, in terms of the law, they lost it for good patent legal reasons. What are their arguments? So, I don't think it's a matter of... Well, of course, there are some arguments, but it's basically... It's funny because it's the framing of the whole thing. Because, you know, where there's a a part of an interview and there's, there's like a black screen with quotes on it. And I think it's the emotional baggage of the thing that carries you to think that they are in the right. Because what they state is exactly the same as what Monsanto states in their website. Yeah, that's interesting. They say, like, Monsanto's investigators came to my door and asked me if I was uh, saving Monsanto's seeds. Yeah, makes sense, (laughs) sure. (laughs) And then uh, I said, I'm not telling you, and they were not cooperative, and then they sued me. Yeah, makes sense, again. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Okay. It all made a lot of sense. There's a couple of stories. I think one is Mopar and one is Michael White. They gave a more thorough interview saying, 
or they came to my door and they pretended that they were writing a survey about this and that. And then basically they started asking more complex questions about where my seeds came from and this and that. And I yeah. started refusing to give them answers and they said, oh, he's guilty or something like that. You know, it's the drama because yeah. the facts okay. are exactly the same. Yeah. Right, okay. And uh, most of them just state the opposite. So some of them is just denial. So they basically say they accused me of saving Monsanto seeds, which I was not. Or they accused me of cleaning Monsanto seeds, which I was not. Yeah, okay. And this and that. And the most compelling, I think, from an emotional level story was that of Michael White. Because according to Monsanto, Michael White was illegally growing, selling and cleaning Roundup Ready soybeans in 2005. Mm. And there is an interview in the documentary called Seeding Fear with his son. Because this guy was quite an old guy. He was mm. a, a very old farmer. And according to his son, he died in the fear that Monsanto would come after him again. Mm. Okay. But you know, it's like this whole like emotional situation where it's like, oh, he was not guilty. Well, you guys settled, so yeah. I assume that he was guilty. But then some of them state that they settled because they couldn't afford the costs of a lawsuit of going forward with the lawsuit. Yeah, I can't afford lawyer fees. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know about that. That is a little bit because of course you have the lobbying of a very, very big company on one side. Again, we see this in the movies all the time, you know, it's like, uh, oh yeah, the, the very big companies taking advantage of, of their money, of their big lawyers, mm. very, very powerful, famous lawyers, and the little guy, you know, gets kicked out or gets dismissed really, really quickly with a settlement. Yeah. So I am not, again, I don't, I don't have the court proceedings, I don't know whether that is exactly what happened, but again, if you are not guilty, that is quite easy to prove. Yeah. I think that is quite easy yeah. to prove. And again, out of 147, that's probably what happened for most of them, because if they only have these seven ones. Yeah. There was also another case where the guy was just non-cooperative and there was no way of retrieving the evidence. So the case is still open at the moment okay. because they cannot find a way to find the evidence that they need. He's hidden so the all story his still... <laughs> Hidden <laughs> yeah, them in the ground. He, he went to Hawaii for holidays and never came back. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Right, okay. But so I think if you come to a settlement, I'm just playing probability here, but it's, there's a high probability that you were guilty. That's, yeah. that's what I think. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the compelling stories are around, you know, I'm just a small farmer. I meant to harm nobody. I'm just doing my job. I love my job. And I think it's the storytelling that yeah. is so compelling. Yeah. And I think a lot of this storytelling thing is what shifts the balance because again, they were just stating the facts. Like I can send you the link to the <laughs> to the video. And mm. I, I was laughing yesterday like crazy because he was like, "Oh yeah, they brought the private investigators." And I was like, "Yep, that sounds <laughs> like what they should be doing." And like, "Oh yeah," and then they they sued me. Yep, that again sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> you know, it it was just so funny because they were just stating the facts, but there was this very sad music in the background and the horizon and the sunset and the meadows and yeah. fields of corn and all. all these things and I, I just I just found it quite hilarious quite frustrating yeah. as well it's how you tell the story yeah. it's not the facts that shapes your opinion of things and there's been some studies on public opinion of GMOs on this in the past mm. it doesn't matter what you say it's how you say it which is quite yeah. interesting and I think it's a 
again for climate change and stuff like that it's it, it just works for a lot of things mm. why are media articles so compelling you know mm. for the same reason i wonder if if we're saying it in the right way what is the right way should i be putting like <laughs> sad music underneath it or something or should we be oh, telling I don't know. true stories every week it'd be interesting to work <laughs> out how, how yeah, do we say I don't it know. Yeah. i am not sure I think we're good at playing the funny card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure we can do the sad thing. <laughs> I might just end up needing to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I think personal experience is what speaks the loudest. Okay. You know, Monsanto is an entity. It's a big company and it's made out of lots and lots and lots of people. But people like to hear stories from other people. Yeah, yeah. And I like to think of ourselves as common people, James. I think like so you are common. like, you know, your friendly neighborhood scientist <laughs> and, yeah, like and your friendly neighborhood Italian girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that, you know, that's, that's kind of who we are. And I think that's, I hope that people out there who are listening to this have that feeling about us, that they can ask us questions and they can interact with us without the fear of being sued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or death threatened. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Roberta, yeah. for explaining all that. That was Super interesting, very helpful. You're very welcome. We're going to have to try and watch some of these emotional videos to try and make our podcasts more emotionally, pulling at the heartstrings, (laughs) that kind of stuff. So expect that. Have ice cream or wine when you watch them, because I didn't have any yesterday and I was really (laughs) sad. To be crying into the cookie dough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have any other questions about the lawsuits or anything about the podcast or stuff we've discussed or anything you want us to discuss, you can contact us at geneticallypodified at gmail.com or tweet at us at genpodified. Please leave us a review anywhere you can. iTunes would be fantastic. The Stitcher works as well. And then if you could give us a like and a share, sharing would be super helpful at the moment. So uh, just on Facebook, anyone you think would be interested in this podcast or learning a bit more about GM or any of the single topics that we've talked about, please do so. I want to say thank you to Peg and The Rejected for the use of their song Red, White, Black and Blue. I love that song, man. Ooh. Every time I hear it, I'm just like, yeah. It's so good. It's such a tune, such a tune. It's really up- uplifting. Yeah. It's super uplifting. So yeah, very pleased to be able to use that for our podcast. Thanks for listening. See you later. Bye.